Hey, Sam. Hey, Bridget. What are we discussing today? Today, we're talking about how you can leverage your podcast interviews once they go live. Something that people are always, always, always asking about. How can I make more use of my podcast interview once they've aired? So we're going to be talking about that with two very specific goals in mind. These two goals are first to build more relationships with the hosts. So develop those relationships with the hosts who are influencers in their own right, even after you've recorded the episode so that you can get more opportunities with them. So we'll talk about that. And then also how you can use your podcast appearances to encourage sales. Mostly that is going to be with the audience that you already have. There's also a third goal that most people have that I don't really like to focus on. I don't think it's the right goal for you, the guests, once your podcast episodes have aired. Sam, you probably know it. What is the one thing that clients are like always asking? I'm probably going to go ahead and guess that it's a tool to be found by more people, right? Yes. This is where people's minds go first. How do I use my podcast appearances to bring in more people? But the thing is, that's the job of the interview that's being hosted on the platform of the podcast. That's what you're doing. You're going on the podcast so you can be discovered by new people. But once it's aired, the most control you have are, of course, on your own actions, in your own sphere of influence. And trying to use those episodes to bring in more people is not always the best use of your time. I mean, there's things you can do. You can post reels on Instagram, at least right now, that's the best discovery tool on Instagram that might change within a couple of months. There's things you can do to use those appearances to draw in more people. But I actually think that if that's where you're putting your focus, especially if you only have say 20 minutes where you can really do more with this, it's not really the thing that I would encourage you to focus on because these other goals are more meaningful. They're a better way to use those appearances. You have more control over the results and you're going to get more than just new audiences. You're going to get partnerships, sales, speaking engagements. There's so many bigger goals and better things you can be going after for just new eyeballs, new earbuds. Yeah, definitely. Let's tackle the first one, building relationships with the host, because this is something that I don't think enough people really try to do or even think about when it comes to podcast interviews. When you think about it, when you're reaching out to a podcast, let's say you've reached out to a podcast host, there's somebody who is a major influencer of your audience. Maybe they host a conference every year that you'd really like to speak at. A podcast interview is a great way to meet that host on a more level playing field. When they're interviewing you, they're saying, you're an expert. You're somebody I find interesting, entertaining, what have you. I want to bring you on to talk to my audience. You might know them first and have more name recognition before you start. But by the end of the interview, you generally have this amazing opportunity to form a relationship with them, to impress them, to charm them with your stories. And there's such a huge missed opportunity here after the interview where you can potentially keep that conversation going. Our clients have had a lot of really cool opportunities come to them from the podcast interviews they've given with hosts they don't know before. One of our clients, Jenny Nash, was interviewed by a podcast. She's a book coach. She helps people write their books. After the interview, the host came back to her and said, we don't usually 
interview coaches. We don't find them to be the best guests for our audience, but we absolutely loved our interview with you. And we'd actually love to pay you to come and develop a program. I think what they were going to do is actually more of like a revenue share than her being directly paid. I'm not privy to all the details of the deal, but they had a relationship, a business relationship and a partnership going forward. So that's one end. Another end is we have a client, Jennifer Spivak. She was on the digital marketer podcast. And after being interviewed on their podcast, they had known about Jennifer before or her company, the ad girls, they invited her out to speak at, I think it's called a traffic and conversion summit. It's like one of the biggest conferences in the digital marketing world with like thousands of people that go to it. She was able to speak on the main stage at that event to all of those other marketers. One of our clients, Christina, was on a major podcast. I'm not going to mention the podcaster here to protect their privacy, but they hit it off so well in the interview that this host invited Christina to her fabulous LA birthday party. Um, And yeah, it's so wild. They just formed a friendship from meeting for the very first time while being interviewed on the podcast. That's why I like to start here because- the kinds of doors that these interviews can open for you and relationships that you can form through doing them are just so amazing. And they're not the kind of thing that you can plan for. They're those serendipitous moments that really propel your work forward. And I just really want to encourage you to try and keep that conversation going, especially if you've been vibing with the host over the course of your conversation. So Sam, maybe we should talk a bit now that I hopefully have encouraged people to do that, what that looks like. I know for a lot of people, this is probably going to look something like connecting after your interview's done over social media. Definitely. I would say that when you have these connections, like you mentioned, you've charmed the person, you've connected with them, you've had an authentic connection with them. You want to keep up with them on whatever social media platforms you're both on, really. I personally in the past have had fantastic connections with podcast hosts and we've remained in contact thanks to Instagram and LinkedIn. And I think that when you make this connection, it's so rare because in today's society, we often don't have conversations that are completely uninterrupted and there's no other distractions. So in those small amounts of time, I built up a friendship that to be quite honest, I really cherish and I would like to hold on to. And I've done that in the past, certainly by remaining friends on LinkedIn or Instagram. And when I see their images or posts, I like them, I share them. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed. And I'm not doing it for the sake of nurturing. I want to be clear on that. When I connect with these people, when I follow them, it's purely because like I mentioned before, I felt an authentic connection with them. I saw similarities. I felt like we could be friends. Like if we were classmates or schoolmates or something like that naturally we're the kind of people that gravitate to each other and I would love to keep them in my life and see what they do beyond just trying to extract value from them I think that's a good point because I have been on the receiving end of actually more from hosts than guests where you go on a podcast and the host will send you a series of emails that are very clearly there to sell you into working with them and They might start out in this more casual, friendly way, like my least favorite, and this might be controversial to people listening. My least favorite thing is when you meet someone new and they're like, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. I just feel like they're trying so hard to follow that advice that, you know, you should give to get in business and that if you can help somebody out, they'll help you out. And it just, 
With somebody you don't know, it feels really inauthentic. And I feel like the trust isn't there. I don't know mm -hmm. what to ask for. It makes me feel so uncomfortable when people say that. And some hosts, there's a host in particular I'm thinking about, will email you that after the conversation. It's hard because outside of this, Sam, one of the conversations I've been having with my husband, Lucas, is that relationship building is real labor. That I think a lot of times it's labor that women in relationships undertake where they keep in touch with the social network of the family. And we act like it should be natural. And it's not necessarily natural. Like I'm a woman who is expected in society to take on that role, but I'm actually not naturally really great at it. I always joke, I'm your in an emergency friend. If you have an emergency, I will show up. I will do everything for you. But like that day-to-day, week-to-week conversation or keeping in touch is something that sometimes I have to put it on my calendar to remind myself to call my best friend so she doesn't always call me first, <laughs> you know, things mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I totally want to say, yeah. So I want to say like, Sam, you had said you don't want to engineer it necessarily, but mm -hmm. it's okay if you do approach it with a little bit more intentionality where you say, I want to stay in touch with this person. What can I do? Sometimes I'll have a mastermind call with my business mastermind. And I'm like, how can I like better connect with people? One of my favorite go-to moves right now, if I know somebody's receptive is sending them a TikTok about something I know we have an interest in because <laughs> that's my obsession. Or I'll send them a podcast interview. I've listened with somebody that I think they'll really like. That can be really nice because now you've been on their show. So you can give them like a referral to another guest. Or if they mention like, I'm looking for some help with such and such, you can just give them a referral to somebody you've worked with. There's so many little things you can do, but I think it's better when, like you said, it's genuine. It's about your connection with that person. So if you do 20 interviews, you're not sending the same interview to 20 hosts, but maybe there's three that you really do want to nurture and that you put on your calendar to remember because also in your feed, people disappear. So it's mm -hmm. like, go check in on the Instagram feed of this person so that they don't completely disappear from your view in a way that you don't even want. I have two best friends. One of them is really active in social media. And if I'm not engaging with her content, it will disappear from my Instagram feed. You can put things into place, tools and mm -hmm. reminders to make those algorithms, I think, work better for you. I just wanted to jump back to the point where you mentioned, what can I do for you? I understand that it triggers that gut feeling. At least what I got from when you were describing it, there's that gut feeling of they have an ulterior motive here. And that's why I 100% think what you mentioned there about even if you have 20 interviews and you just select three of them, which you're like, you know, what, I vibe with these people and went after that. That's really what you have to do. And that's really your only option because I don't feel that you can necessarily fake it. I feel that you just have to Except the fact that there are going to be some people which maybe you don't vibe with, but for those that you do, yeah, you do want to make an effort to stay in contact with them. And I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with scheduling or even being more methodical in how you stay in touch with them. Because to be quite honest, like you mentioned, I'm somewhat different to you in the sense, I suppose, I'm always trying to keep in contact with friends and family. And I'm quite a, a chatty person in that sense, but I still need to schedule it. I still need to write down on the little whiteboard on my fridge call this person, message this person or do that. So I feel that as long as you understand that your intention is authentic, you're wanting to keep up with them for the sake of you have that connection rather than, okay, 25 days until I can ask them to do this for me. Then I think that's <laughs> the most, <laughs> that's the most, that's what you don't want to do. One of the things that I really like to do for me, which is really important for keeping connections, and this can be connections with anyone, I personally feel this really resonates with me. If you do see some content and you see something and it reminds you of someone, and this doesn't necessarily have to be a podcast host, but it's particularly helpful. If it reminds you of someone, 
And then you send it to them, just be like, hey, I saw this and thought of you. Sometimes that can be the nicest gesture. And it's genuine. It's true. Like if you did see it and you thought of them and you thought they might like it, you can send that on. And that shows that they are in your thoughts and they've come up in mind because of a certain reason. I like that technique a lot because it's just so simple and it's so natural and it does show a lot of care. And just before we wrap up this section, I want to reiterate that you're not necessarily looking for something specific, although it's okay if you go on a podcast because somebody has a conference that you want to speak at and you vibe with them and there's a little voice in the back of the head that's like, this might be worth pursuing. And also I'd like to speak at their conference. I don't want to put any shame on you listening around that. We're putting these efforts for effect. There's no shame in that game, but you just want to make sure that the people you're reaching out to are people where you're able to find that common ground and that you're able to leverage that and do it in this more personal kind of way. And I do think it can help sometimes to let go of attachment to the outcome when you're doing it, because you just never know where those relationships will go. And in my experience, I've been in business for, let's see, oh my God, 12 years now. That's crazy. I was like, I've been saying 10 years, I think for money years. I've been in business for 12 years now. And a lot of the biggest opportunities I had in my business were because of people that I just met randomly, really liked, really vibed with. And then a few years down the line, they were doing something amazing and they brought me into it. One of my biggest goals is to be able to turn that around and do that for other people. And I think a lot of people who've had that experience early in their business want to pay it forward later. And so just be open to those opportunities because not everything that you create for your work can be engineered. Sometimes it does take this trust and this nurturing for it to happen. But again, there's no shame in the game of having a little mm-hmm. thought in the back of your head if there's an opportunity yeah. you want. It kind of reminds me of a quote that I love. I love sports and I do a lot of it. And it's a famous American footballer once said, you know, it's funny, the harder I train, the luckier I get. And it reminds me of that in this sense, in the sense of the more genuinely friendly you are, the luckier you'll probably get. I love that. What a nice way to end that one. I'm interrupting this episode because I know you're here because you want to leverage podcast interviews. Maybe you're looking to grow your network or bringing new leads, or maybe you've been invited on a podcast and you're looking to get more intentional and proactive with reaching out to podcasts to suggest yourself as a guest. And most likely you're listening because you're looking for some help. Either you want some help with your messaging or just brainstorming the right podcast to reach out to. Well, you're in the right place, my friend. Our podcast planning intensives mean you don't have to do it alone. They're led by senior members of our pitch team who are working with podcasts every single day and me, which means you get two extra brains working on your podcast outreach and the programming. We'll work with you to identify which podcasts will bring you closer to your goals and write up your own personal pitch scripts for those shows. We'll help you put together a plan to leverage every interview and we'll give you the context you need to book those interviews. Plus, we support you as you start that outreach process. Sound like a dream? Come on over to podcastally.com forward slash VIP to learn more about our podcast planning intensives and to get the help you're looking for. That's podcastally.com forward slash VIP, where you can find all the info and book an intensive. Now let's get back to the show. So then the second part that we wanted to talk about is sales. I know that sales is kind of a scary word and hopefully this isn't 
too intimidating to talk about, but this is actually the way that you can use your podcast interviews once they're live to encourage sales within your own audience. Maybe they're following you on social media, maybe they're in their email list, but they haven't bought, but they're kind of on the cusp of buying. They're interested. I like to call them looky-loos. They're your looky-loos. And then there's another group of people in your audience. They're sometimes termed as talkers. So there's this book, it's an older book called Word of Mouth Marketing. And that's a term coined in this book. Talkers are the people who are your most enthusiastic supporters and referrers within your business. And so for me, for example, there is a woman who I've hired her. She's hired me. She was one of my first podcast ally beta clients. We're in a mastermind together. Her name's Lacey Boggs. You should definitely check her out. And she is constantly referring business to me. And so Lacey, I would consider one of my talkers. And one of the really great things that podcasts can do is they can give your talkers a reason to talk about you. So something that when people are naturally interested in sharing your work with other people, sharing your book with other people, sharing your nonprofit, whatever it is that you do, it can be good to give them things to talk about because they're naturally going to do it. You don't have to say, go talk about this. If you share your joy with them and your successes, they're the people in your audience that are so hyped that they're going to mention it in a conversation they have with another person. This is stuff that you can't measure as easily. And so I think a lot of businesses today discount the effect of encouraging those sales with the audience you already have. And then the talkers, because they're not something you can measure through Google tag manager and Google analytics or other kinds of analytics platforms. It's stuff that's happening that you don't have visibility into, but it is incredibly powerful. And it's just such an amazing way to really leverage that audience you've already built and the care you've already done. So what we wanted to do in the second half of this is just talk about the ways that you can use and share your podcast interviews to create these two effects. I think you hit the nail on the head there, and I certainly can relate to those examples. I find myself sometimes being a talker as well. I think we can all think of brands where we've been talkers. So the very first thing that I want to encourage you to do is to please, please share your podcast interviews in your emails. So if you send out a weekly or a monthly email to your list, for the majority of people, there's absolutely a lot of good reasons to share the podcast interview in your emails. And when I say this, you don't have to make an entire email of like, I was a guest on this podcast and focus on the podcast. You can put it in a PS at the end of your email there are some people who will just do a little of personal chit chat in the beginning of their email and you can put it up there. So it doesn't have to be the focus, the content focus, but it can be really nice to mention that podcast in your email. So that the people who are really tuned into you, these are the people who are most likely in one of those audiences, either on the cusp of buying for you or people who want to talk about you because they're huge supporters. They're on your email list. This is where you can be guaranteed that those folks are going to see it and potentially take an action based on what they see in that podcast. Yeah, I have to say personally, I really love it when I see my clients uh, posting in their emails and sharing it with their community there, because I know that it really means something to them. They've really appreciated being on the show and it's something that they want to share with their audience. And then that's when all the benefits of being on that show are going to start to come to fruition. I think that's a nice point, right? It does feel more meaningful because it's rare. Like a lot of people don't put their podcast mm. appearances literally anywhere, much less in their mm -hmm. emails. If they don't put them in their social media, they're nowhere. 
The other place that I want to encourage you to share your podcast appearances are on your website. And I'm not just talking about sharing the logos of your appearances, although I think we'll talk about that as well. But one of the things that our client Rita Berry did that was so smart is she's a Facebook ads manager and she put together a page of her podcast appearances, like a press page on her website where it had the logo art of the podcast, the name of the podcast, and then a brief description of what you would hear in her interview. And after seeing her do this, it's actually something that I have done on my own site as well, because I've given podcast interviews about our business model at Podcast Ally, how to book interviews. I've talked about being a digital nomad. So I spent two years traveling around in a little travel trailer running the business. So I've talked about how I do that, running the company. It's a great place where your audience can go and get to know different aspects of who you are. And for Rita, this was very powerful because even though she's a Facebook ads manager, she does not use Facebook to market her business or Instagram or any social media. And so until she put those podcast interviews up, her audience didn't have a lot of opportunities to get to know her on that more personal level. They were getting the information on her website. They were getting the information in her emails, which is great, but there is something very special about hearing somebody, putting your earbuds in, your AirPods, whatever, going for a walk and hearing somebody talk for an hour about why they're passionate about their work, sharing different case studies. I have lots of data about why that's effective and maybe we'll share that in a different interview, but there's something so special about that experience. And what Rita told us after she did this is that she had three or four different people reach out to her who signed up to work with her high-end Facebook ads agency because they heard her on these podcasts. They actually said the words to her, I've been thinking about hiring you for a while and I was on the fence, but when I heard you on such and such podcast, I decided it was finally time to sign up. It was the thing that they needed to get them over the hump from being those looky-loos to actually being clients of hers. And I have found this in my own experience as well. I mean, obviously I've been discovered and Podcast Ally has been discovered from podcast interviews I've given. I gave an interview to Being Boss, I think four years ago, and people still come to me from that. But I also share my interviews as they happen because it does give people a chance to get to know you a little bit better and potentially say, oh yes, I totally resonate with that person's approach, or I really appreciate the values that they bring to their business, or they talked about it in a way that didn't make sense to me before and now it clicks. And then they're finally ready to go ahead and buy from you. Yeah. And I know that we actually found our podcast player or podcast platform through a podcast. You found it, you discovered it. Hello Audio, didn't you? Yeah. So we're on the Hello Audio platform and What's interesting about that, Sam, is that we were on another platform, but I moved over to Hello Audio because I'd been following the founder, Lindsay Padilla, for a long time. We're in a Facebook group together, and I had seen the chatter of her launching Hello Audio. I had a little bit of awareness of her company and her platform, but I never really looked into it. I wasn't that interested in making the switch, anything like that, because at the time I was hosting the previous iteration of this podcast. And so I was aware of her. I knew who she was. And then I heard Lindsay on one of my favorite business podcasts, the Get Paid podcast. It's Claire Pelletro's show. And I was just so enamored by everything Lindsay said. I loved her story of how she founded her business. I love that she was a female founder. 
I really appreciated some of the things she was trying to do with her platform. And so at the time I was thinking about doing something for our clients for a training and she enables you to do private podcasts where you can send a link to people and they can do a private podcast. And I thought, yes, this is what I need for my client training. It's completely compatible with what we believe about podcasts and their power to inspire and influence and educate people. And so that's what we did. And Sam, you're so right to bring this up because this is a perfect example where I didn't discover Lindsay on this podcast. I already knew who she was, but until I heard her give this interview, I don't think I ever would have given her. I mean, she'd been showing up on my Facebook feed for years, for like one or two years. And I just never gave it a second look until I heard her on a podcast that I appreciated. Yeah, that's amazing. And I do remember the moment that you mentioned that you were very inspired. I could tell that it really gripped you or had an impact on you. Totally. Okay. We're going to put on our website. We're going to put our email. Mm -hmm. What else can folks do? Any easier stuff? (laughs) One that you've probably seen before, no pun intended, is an as seen in banner or feature on your homepage. This is particularly useful for encouraging sales with cold audiences because this as seen in featured banner it's a quick way of strengthening your social proof. And this can be particularly useful for reinforcing in the minds of your followers or people that find you that you have valuable insights and you have secured features in podcasts or shows or other publications. And you've been on them for a reason. You know what you're talking about. You're someone that can be trusted because you're trusted by look all of these places. And like I mentioned before, it could be particularly influential for newcomers who come to your website for the first time. And this is their first time laying eyes on you. For example, Bridget, you mentioned in the past that you had a hairstylist that was featured or seen in previously, and that did wonders for, I suppose, making it quite an interesting story to tell friends, was it not? Yeah, this is a great example about how press of any kind, so we're talking about podcasts here, but this is true of any press, can encourage your talkers to talk about you and just talk you up and give you lots of referrals. So this is a hairstylist. His as seen in wasn't on a website. It was actually like something taped to the wall next to the mirror where he styled your hair. But I think that's kind of the analog. Old old school. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The old school version of an as seen and banner on your homepage. What happened is I've been going to this guy, Rob, in my neighborhood, Wicker Park in Chicago for a long time. And one day I sat down in his chair and there was a press clipping up on the wall next to the mirror. And it was from Vogue. And it was a Vogue clipping on the up and coming hairstylists in different markets. And Rob was one of them that was featured in this magazine. So as you can imagine, being a young, impressional 20 something working in a PR agency, living and working downtown Chicago, I was very impressed by this, right? I just thought this was amazing. The guy who cuts my hair, who I have found and chosen for myself was just featured by Vogue magazine. Are you kidding me right now? It was amazing. You might also be able to imagine that Rob was very talented. And so I frequently got compliments from my friends and also just out and about on my hair. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that because I would just be like out in my neighborhood and people would comment on my hair because I let Rob have free reign with my hair. So it wasn't just Mm -hmm. like your standard haircuts. We did some fun things. So people commented on it. And so I would always tell them, oh, you need to go see Rob. But after that Vogue feature came up, I was like, oh my gosh, I go to Rob. He's in such and such salon here in the neighborhood. He was just featured in Vogue magazine. I really think you should try him out if you like him. 
And I will say that I don't know if that worked with the strangers, but two of my friends, Sam actually started going to see Rob, one of them who lived out of state. She actually lived in the UP in Michigan, but her sister lived in Chicago. So whenever she came out to Chicago to visit her sister, she would get her hair cut because of my referral for him. You commission. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and that's just one way where his media gave me something to talk about and There is this human nature where if you're a fan of somebody, there's this transitive nature of feeling special that the people you picked have been picked. Mm -hmm. I feel so weird sometimes talking about that stuff, but I think that is a little bit of human nature where we are very social creatures. Social influence does really matter to us. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to just acknowledge if you put these podcast logos and let's say somebody sees a logo, like if I saw Claire Pelletro's get paid logo on a business that I was thinking about doing, I would first of all, go listen to that interview. And second, I'd be like, well, Claire trust them. That would mean something to me. Or like my friend, Tara McMullen, who was the what works podcast. If I saw the what works logo on a website, I would have that same feeling and going and listening to the episode would definitely be a piece of my due diligence. And so mm-hmm. Putting them up on those site, I think it's smart. It's an easy thing to do. And it can give your talkers that little push to kind of brag on you, recommend you to people. Maybe they say, you know, that business owner, or you know, that author I was talking about. Actually, this happens a lot with books. I'll be like, hey, you know, that book I was telling you about, they just did a podcast interview. I think you should check it out. That'll happen a lot for me, particularly because I read a lot. I read one or two books a week. And so it's a nice way to recommend an author to a friend who they're maybe not going to read the book, but I think they should. So I'll send them the interview as like an entry point. One or two books a week. I can never get over that. That's incredible. How big are we talking these books? Are they like pamphlets or are they like proper like Bible-sized books? (laughs) It depends. Right now I'm very much in my like escapism phase of reading like a lot of science fiction and fantasy and I read on my Kindle. So it's really hard for me to know how long those books are. You just jump in. I just dive in. You know what, Bridget? I am so jealous of your ability. I am such a slow reader and I'm so bad at reading books. It's just not a good habit that I've got into. But on the topic of habits, I want to talk about social media because social media can, in fact, be an incredible tool for sharing your feature with your audience. And I have to say this, as a host, you have no idea how much it means when you share something or you'll share your feature and you tag them too. And I highly recommend you do this. If you do nothing else, please, please do this because it really means a lot to us. And it shows that you really did enjoy being on the show and you want to share it with everyone. So not only does it solidify the relationship with the host and you're giving something back, but it's also a fantastic way of encouraging those who follow you to potentially share your post, which can result in referrals and just generally sharing within other networks. So as we mentioned before, most people might think that being on podcasts is primarily a tool to get in front of new people. And while this might be useful here, the main focus that you want to remember is you're trying to encourage people who already follow you to take action. I love that, Sam. And I think that's such a unique way of looking at social media because people often think about social media as discovery, but you're talking about social media as relationship building, relationship building with the host and relationship building with your audience by providing them deeper content, right? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Awesome. I think this is probably a good place to wrap it up because 
you've just hit on the key message that we have for this mm -hmm. episode. And then also we want to stop there and not give you way, way too many ideas. As you walk away from this interview, what I want to encourage you to do is think about if there are any interview that you have given that you're sitting on and you haven't used yet and pick one of these ways to leverage it. So that could be putting it in an email as a PS. It's okay if it was six months ago to share it. No one knows. You could put a appearances page on your website. You can add it to your as seen in section of your website or create one if you don't have it yet or share it at social. Just pick the one thing that works for you, that works with the way you're already building relationships within your business. Do the thing that's the easiest. And then also think about your hosts. If you've given any interviews and if there's any hosts that you've connected with and you'd really like to just check in with and say hi or send them something you think they'd like, take a couple minutes, check out what they're doing and send them a note, a DM, something that they've shared on social, comment, whatever works for you. Do this in a way that really does make sense for you, but go back and reconnect with a host that you vibed with. And those two actions will mean a lot for your business and can lead to these moments. And last thing I'll say here is that if you do like this episode, we'd love it if you would become one of our talkers and share it with a friend, recommend to somebody who's given podcast interviews so that they can leverage their interviews. It would really, really mean a lot to us. Thank you so much. 